0: You are listening to Faith FM. We are going to continue on with the show as we have got into our second hour. But right now, we have our 400-point clue for the quiz.
1: Which group was the ruling council of the Jews who plotted to kill Jesus? Mm, 0491 064 669. You get a bargain book if you get this one question right. If you get them all right, of course, you can hang out for the prize bag, the um, goodie bag. But the question, of course, is which group was the ruling council of the Jews who plotted to kill Jesus? Mm, do you reckon you know who that is?
0: Yeah, of course. Say that so I do, because I believe that I know. But this morning, hey, you guys, we usually read out text messages. And previously, we've had slows of text messages coming in. But you guys are a bit quiet this morning. You must be uh, taking a long weekend from Faith FM. Please don't. Please text us? Yep. Maybe
1: they're protesting that the pantathlon quiz is dying.
0: Wow. Um. Producer Shell, come on. Why would you do that to the people? Oh, oh, we've got a text coming through, apparently. Uh-huh. Ah, uh, here we go. But, um, yeah, no, this guys, change is good. Okay. Change. Change, change is good. Although uh, <laughs> occasionally painful. <laughs> yes, it is. Hey, oh, here we go. This came in from Brayden. <laughs> another tick for mushrooms. How can you not love them?
1: Brayden, I thought I liked you, but I clearly don't. But,
0: but now how uh, how they will exist in the new earth. Ooh. But what about autumn? The pretty colors from the trees shedding their leaves would not be sad to see, but at least whatever is there will far exceed our expectations. Yes, heaven will be mm-hmm. better than we could possibly imagine. Because there
1: will be no mushrooms.
0: No, 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 that is not true.
1: There will be no mushrooms. M- oh,
0: dude. So there's a type of mushroom. It's called king oyster mushroom. And it will
1: not be in heaven.
0: it's uh, a goodbye. I said hey, you might as well king oyster mushrooms. So, a like, couple of days ago, and they were really good. <clears throat> I put them in my wonton soup that I made. But anyway, you saying
1: that they taste good is not an argument to eat them. That's like people saying bacon is delicious. It's not an argument. Yeah, to eat. Yeah, but either. but
0: then also, like, there's no there's no biblical precedent to say that we shouldn't eat mushrooms.
1: You shouldn't eat unclean things. Look, wait, you're making my dog bark in, <laughs> in, in disgust from mushroom looking <laughs> antics. You, you tell him, tell him, scoops. I'm put <laughs> we just scat. had
0: another text message come through. Lawson is a noodle, and mushrooms are not good. <laughs> I wonder wait, who said that. Wait, even. that was just from you. <laughs>
1: I thought you wouldn't find me out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it was simultaneously Mom uh is producer Shell giving it away that it was you, but also just the way that you said I wonder who said that. I'm like come on. When you can't just you can't just attack me vo- through shell.
1: Well, I am a listener. I can text our own texting line, <laughs> can't I?
0: <laughs> okay, fair enough. Hey, let's get into our Bible study this morning then. Okay. Okay, what were we doing yesterday? Well, who were we talking about?
1: We're talking about how disgusting mushrooms. Oh, sorry, no. We're talking about the Tower of Babel and how they were probably <gasps> up to all kinds of no good, like eating mushrooms and. Opposing God. Okay,
0: can we just stop this here? Okay. Let's, okay. let's okay. not bring the mushrooms into this. It, let's bury right. Let's bury the hatchet okay. and
1: then mushrooms will grow on the hatchet because it's been buried Ooh. in mold and. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm stopping now.
0: Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, they've come off the ark. We've been discussing what took next. This is kind of, they've come into their, their PC period or the PA period post arc. They're, you know, getting around, build, rebuilding society, being fruitful and multiplying. Um, repopulating the earth, all of these different things. And now they have come off the ark um, and they have said, as we discussed yesterday, let us build a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, um, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So they have this plan to defy God and to, you know, um, basically overpower a flood, survive a flood. Um, and to make a name for themselves, we saw the links yesterday, the heavy and direct links between, <laughs> you know, the language that God uses at creation versus the language that they're using here in building this tower. And our ultimate uh, conclusion from that was we were just like, hey, this is just a bunch of people who want to do what, what they, they want to do. do. Yeah. They they are not concerned with following God. They are not concerned with giving their hearts to Jesus. Yeah, no. But rather, they are fully and wholly and solely concerned um, with doing whatever they want, and now we're going to see what God's reaction was.
1: Yeah, not not only doing whatever they want, but doing whatever they can to get away with doing whatever they want.
0: Mm. Yeah, wow. So not only are they doing whatever they want, but they're making provision.
1: Yeah, it's so, like it's like a you know how they say there's two different kinds of crimes: the crime of passion and the pre calculated one? Yeah, it's like very much pre calculated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Premeditated. Yeah.
0: That is that's so true. You know, yeah. this isn't coming from a place of anger or you know spontaneity. They yeah, are just. No building a full-scale rebellion against mm-hmm. God and yeah. his ideals. Yeah, I'm
1: fully aware of it, too.
0: Interesting. Okay, then. Well, I guess from here we just got to get into the rest of the story and see how God responds to this. So let's pick it up, Monica, if you could read for us in verse 5. And let's read from verse 5 to verse 7.
1: In chapter 9?
0: Uh, Chapter 11.
1: Chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, verse 9. But the Lord came down to look at the city and and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other.
0: Mm. This is uh this is interesting. I believe it's these verses alone that give a skeptics um a you know false perspective of what's taking place here. We we talked about this yesterday. We talked about how you know oh is God anti technological advancement? Is God anti building large buildings or people being united? And I believe. Clearly not. Uh, I, I believe not so, because, uh, you know, God has created the church for us to be united in Christ God. You know, so many verses in the Bible, Um, if you look at, uh, if, particularly if you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, it says the, the words, um, sectarianism is sin. Basically, the idea of people dividing and splitting up. God doesn't want disunity amongst his people. No. Um, He does not want distant unity amongst his people. He wants people to be united uh, in Christ. He wants people to be following him in unity, but clearly that is not what is taking place here.
1: Yeah, absolutely not.
0: So they have united together to build this tower, and God's response is, as we read in verse 5, the first thing he does is he comes down.
1: Yeah, he takes a look.
0: He takes a look. Um, Question, Monica. Mm. Does God need to come down? No,
1: no, no. I mean, I was wondering myself, like, why is it saying this? It's like a little cutesy fashion, like God came down and had a little check out. Yeah. What does
0: it even mean? Yeah, that's right. You know, one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 139. uh, There's a beautiful scripture song, actually, uh, on this by uh, a group that I really like. Uh, But the words, uh, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I uh, descend all the way down into the grave, you are also there. Um, basically sharing this commonly understood doctrine within Christianity of omnipresence. Um, God is everywhere. He exists inside and outside of time. And particularly if he was outside of time and space, like he would have the ability to be everywhere all at once. Um, but often we see him manifest himself within time and space to, to, uh, you know, interact with his people. Someone who is outside of time and space can't interact with those inside time and space, right? Like, yeah. you can't even perceive what it's like to be outside of time and space. Mm-hmm. It's impossible for us to even imagine we are creatures that are bound by both time and space. Uh, but God here, again, he he shows uh, himself manifesting into his creation and then coming down uh, to his people to, to see the city, to observe. And I think the question is, who is this coming down for? Is it for God? No. Who's it for?
1: It's got to be for the people, right?
0: It's got to be for the people? Mm -hmm. I I believe it's for the people, but maybe in a sense that a lot of people don't think. So he comes down to these people and they they maybe and probably see God coming down and they're like, guys, look, it's God. He's coming down to see our city. And our tower. Uh, but also as we mean working our way through the book of Genesis, we've talked about, you know, the story of Cain and Abel. We've talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about these, these sins and different things that have taken a place along the way, Noah and how God often does an investigation, investigation. And then following that investigation, he passes judgment. Now, again, the question comes up, does God need an investigation? No. No, he knows, right? Who is the investigation for? for
1: us. It's for us.
0: And not only for us, you know, as human beings, it wouldn't have only been for the human beings on the earth at that time, but also, I believe, for the rest of the universe. God is showing everyone. He's saying, hey, look, guys, everyone in the universe, you know, all the angels, all the other beings from heavenly realms. Hey, look, look, look. I'm God. I'm the creator of everything. I'm coming down. I'm showing you clearly that I am observing what's taking place here, and I am pronouncing... Judgment on it. The book of Genesis is full of these types of situations, of people doing things, God coming down, observing, and seeing um, what people are doing. Yeah, as I said, the book of Revelation, uh, sorry, the book of Genesis is full of these different circumstances taking place.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: Now, he comes down to them. To interact. Um, and, yeah, do you want to pick up verse 6 for us?
1: Verse 6 says this. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them.
0: Mm, okay. So, again, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. We talked about this yesterday. We talked about, oh, is God anti, you know, like, is, is God being very, um, maybe the word is uh, <laughs> the term that could be best describe it, maybe God is being very Amish. Um, Amish. I, unfortunately I don't think many Amish people will be listening to our show today. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe God is being very Amish in his thinking, he's thinking, Hey, I don't want, it's God saying, oh, I don't want people to develop new technology. I don't want people to be united. Um, and I believe the answer is clearly no. Yeah. Um, ultimately they're making a rebellion against him and the conditions that are enabling that rebellion is the fact that they can be united in language. Again, God is seeing a group of people that, they they're building a big tower. They're defying God, and that could be- very well be the circumstance in which these people, um, not only you know because of their rebellion against God, um, don't bring um, forth a Messiah into the world because they've completely rejected Him and won't follow Him. Um, but also, there is a possibility that if they are the, just absolutely engrossed and overwhelmed with sin, and that's their, the choice that they've made, uh, well, then they will all die. Mm. There will not be a human race to save. They will all be destroyed, and we have got to think at this time as well. Obviously, they've been populating after the flood. There has been generations of people, but the population of the world is relatively small. And you know, there could be some circumstance of mutually assured destruction that takes place where there are no humans to save. Yeah, and so you know, something interesting. I, I was thinking about this recently. So since like the what is it? it was like the fifties and the sixties, like the beginning of the Cold War? We've been terrified of mutually assured destruction because of, you know, nuclear bombs. Like, if if Russia sends a nuclear bomb over to the United States, they could wipe it, you know, a series of nuclear bombs, they could wipe out the entire United States. But as they're sending them over, then the United States would send them back and then everyone would just die. Yeah. Like, there would be no world. I'm so surprised that hasn't happened. Really? I am incredibly surprised. I'm not. You're not surprised? No,
1: because if I was Russia... And I was going to send uh, a, a nuke somewhere. Uh-huh. I know full well they are going to send one back and we're all going to die. So no one uh-huh. wins. And you kind of want to live, right?
0: So the thought then is like, why build more nukes? And I think essentially like the, the answer to that is probably like, oh, so that no one will send nukes over to us because then they know that that would get destroyed. Right. That would get destroyed too. But I'm like, man, from the 1960s till now, the increase in nuclear manufacturing has just been exponential. Yeah. Um, places there are thousands of nuclear bombs over the world, but only twice in battle. Um. Oh, well, only once has nuclear bombs ever been used. There was two bombs that dropped in Japan in, the forties. So I- I'm just surprised that we've had this technology for nearly 100 years, about 80 years. Um. And you know, it hasn't come back to to bite us with. Nu-
1: I think you'd have to have a leader who was incredibly foolish, like the the kind of like cut off your nose to spite your face kind of foolish. And I mm-hmm. think there'd be too many people on that person's counsel to say, no, you can't press go because we'll, mm-hmm. we, we, we will die kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah for sure. And I,
1: I think the fact that they both, both sides have them is kind of like their insurance policy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But essentially this is a, a potential situation and circumstance Absolutely. that the ancient people here could have been looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that God can also see like if sin reigns, death is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate result. And so <laughs> God doesn't want that to take place, so He sees the condition of these people. They're all united in language. They're all uh, rebelling against God, and He comes up with a way to thwart that. Uh, it's, like,
1: it's like God apply, is applying breaks. Yes, like, you know when you see those barriers that um, people, like people, councils build to stop floods going through. Mm-hmm. I kind of see them as that in the same way that He shortened man's life after the mm-hmm. flood. Also, what he did here with the language um, Mm. is like God applying breaks to man's capacity for
0: evil. Mm.
1: For their own sake.
0: For their own sake. Yeah, 100%. Now, let's um, read what the result is. Do you want to read verse 7 to verse 9?
1: Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city.
0: Wow. Uh, Do you want to read verse 9 as well?
1: That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world.
0: Wow. Okay, so I am oh, fascinated by this, mm-hmm. because uh, to me anyway, this answers a lot of questions. Like the question of how do we have people all over the world? You, you know, now uh, to answer this question, a, you know, someone from an evolutionist point of view basically points to deep time um they're like oh well, migration should have hap- could have happened some way um when i'm just i just believe like you know if uh if the 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 common belief at that time was you know okay so 60,000 years ago 100,000 years ago whatever it was um people from the Indias traveled to australia and then that was the you know the aboriginal people like I just don't understand how a people group who was so nomadic and remote in Australia and had no ability to, you know, well, not no ability, but often didn't interact with anyone else, um, how they just up and decided to leave where they were from to come over here and then just stayed. Yeah. I'm like, and then stayed and then stayed incredibly nomadic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did that even take place? But here we see a definite answer. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, during this time period, um, God confused the languages of the people and put them in different areas, different places, um, and therefore we see this mass migration event take place. Now, often a you know one of the again one of the points against the Bible that evolutionists will raise is that you need deep time for this kind of migration. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here, there is clearly a solution for that.
1: Yeah, and very quick one.
0: And you got to imagine as, as well. You know, this refutes a problem that we understand to be true in the modern age. We're like, okay, for all of these people, because because it's only in the last 100 years that we've fully had a perspective of how many, you know, land masses there are Mm -hmm. in the world. You know, uh, 300, 400 years ago, people didn't know Australia existed, uh, Mm -hmm. the continent of Australia. So it's only been recently that we know actually how big. Big our world is, um, not maybe not how big our world is in terms of the you know the size of the globe, um, but what is actually contained in our world. And because of that modern perspective that we have of the size of the world and how many people are in the world and all the different groups and how remote they are and whatnot, that then brings up the argument against the Bible of like oh. You know, there would need to be thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years at least um, for this type of migration to take place. Now, Moses is writing a a perfectly viable explanation, uh, an understandable explanation, at a time in which he himself had absolutely no perspective on how big the world was. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Like. He is in, like, Moses writing the book of Genesis, recounting this story. Um, if he's just making this up, why would he need to write a narrative about how, you know, oh, they, they ended up here? Like, at, in Moses' time, I, I'm, I'm imagining, like, did they know, for example, how far, you know, they're in the Middle East? They know that their landmass extended all the way over to the western edge of Europe you know um did they know that uh spain like or portugal the area where spain and portugal is existed I think they maybe would have, but no person was. Uh, well, not many people were traveling and migrating that much. You know, most people were living their lives within a very small radius and circumference. Why? Because they didn't have vehicles. They, mm. they just walked everywhere. So, uh, yeah, at this time, they would Nobody have. Nobody
1: had... wants to walk to Spain. That's right.
0: <laughs> From the Middle East, no one wants to walk to Spain. Now, obviously, they had boats and ships and whatnot, and they could um, they could make their way to these different places. But yeah, to write an explanation of how people ended up all over the world um within the account of god dealing with his people even though you're moses who has lived in a very narrow area that you've never really left why would you need to explain how people ended up all over the world other than to give credibility to the book that would have staying power all the way until today yeah absolutely which is, that is just absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, and that's why I really believe, like, the Tower of Babel is a fantastic explanation. Now, obviously, it's a fantastic explanation from the perspective that you believe that God and supernatural power is real, Uh mm. which we do. And, you know, then that's a whole another Bible study into, uh, you know, the... How accurate is the Bible? Can we actually prove that miracles happen? These kinds of things. Uh, But yeah, if you take the stance that, oh yeah, it's possible for a supernatural created God to exist, then this is a perfect explanation of how the world can, you know, and life on earth can be as long as it is according to the Bible, 6,000 years, and how people could have ended up in all different kinds of places, even here in Australia, in New Zealand, in the islands. Um, There are most remote places. We have a perfect explanation. Which is awesome. Praise the Lord. Like, the Bible really is answering the questions uh, that it sets out to define and give to us. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And right now, we are starting a new segment in which we give a 500-point quiz question.
1: In the Song of Songs, how much is the bride's dowry? Oh if you get this question right, you can have the book of the day. If you got all of them right throughout this pentathlon quiz, you can have the the prize bag, the goodie bag.
0: You can have every single prize. But give us a call, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. And um Monica, what was that question again?
1: In the Song of Songs, how much is the bride's dowry? Mm, and the book of the day, by the way, is Wait, let me figure this
0: out. It's right there, Monica.
1: There's two books right here. Are they both a book of the day? I'm going to say it's a book called Live Like You Mean It, Wisdom for the Journey Home by Troy Fitzgerald. Deep within each heart lies the suspicion that there has to be more to life than mere existence. We all crave, believe, and hope for something beyond that which is seen. Author Troy Fitzgerald urges readers to live moment to moment as if they were taking a journey, a journey home filling you with hope as you draw closer to the promised land. And even though we are messed up and messy in the way we walk, a mixed bag of failure and heroic faithfulness, we are journeying home. Live Like You Mean It, Wisdom for the Journey Home by Troy Fitzgerald. That is our book of the day. What a great book. Uh, give us a call if you think you know the answer. 0491
0: <clears throat> All right. Hey, we have a few more text messages coming in. Janelle just texted us to say, I appreciate you all, guys.
1: We appreciate you, Janelle. Thanks, Thanks,
0: Janelle. Oh, and also, (laughs) mushrooms are awesome. awesome.
1: Who are these people?
0: (laughs) Uh, and then, oh. I quit! No, no, no! Don't stay, please, please. You need to listen to this text message. Oh no, this is powerful. This is from Brayden's. Just clapping back. Here we go. Do you want
1: me? I'm gonna get all scientific on you.
0: you Just, just hold on. Ha ha, ha, Mon. You're missing out on those amazing health benefits. Oh, nothing. And the taste. Thankfully, God made us all different, uh, that we all balance each other out. The strange mushroom hating people (laughs) and the cool mushroom loving people.
1: I love this balance. Like, it's a good thing we have balance. People who murder people and people who don't murder people. Are you really <laughs> equating eating
0: mushrooms? Okay, no, we need to... this is Look, this is a battle that we've had have, on Faith of M yeah. too many times. But but I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cut you off and uh I'm gonna let you. You can uh, spread your anti mushroom you know, mushrooms, are, mushrooms are not else.
1: food. Mu- the cellular structure of a mushroom is closer to a crustacean than it is to any plant matter. You know, we as humans, we as humans think, you know, let's just divvy everything up into animal kingdom and plant kingdom. And we ref- like we're so finite, infinite, uh, finite in our understanding. We don't seem to think there's anything beyond that. But there, there's a whole category as we know, fungus, and they're not really either. And if you look at the role of a mushroom. It
0: plays the role. Did you
1: just cut yes, microphone off? yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. That's all right. I've got Lawson's microphone now. <laughs> I've got two microphones, and there's a third one. Did you cut both of them off? <laughs> no, you can't do cut them both off because there'll be nothing. Look, the role of a mushroom is to clean up like a pig or like a, like a like a like a like one of those disgusting things on the bottom of the ocean. That's why you shouldn't eat them. They're full of gunk and, and mess.
0: Monica, thank you for your time. Um, Let's get back to our Bible study. I think I'm Uh, I'm done. Hey, let's have a look at what the Bible says. I think I'm done. Uh, But, hey. When we
1: all get to heaven, y'all are going to have to come over and watch me do my I told you so dance.
0: Are you really going to be doing that in heaven?
1: Yeah, when you guys realize there's no mushrooms (laughs) there.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, I'm I'm
1: working on the choreography now.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Back to the Tower Um, of Babel. Back to the Tower of Babel. Well, not back to the Tower of Babel. What's just happened? Tara has been, been destroyed. People it's not, just, been, not
1: destroyed. It's been stopped.
0: It's been stopped. Yeah. People have been scattered. Happening. Yeah. Different languages, confused. Do you
1: know, I kind of like to think of this occurrence happening a bit the way, you know, when you were in school and mm-hmm. the teacher had to divvy up all the kids in the class and she'd count you off, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, and then all the ones had to find each other, all the twos had to find each other, and then you'd be like in groups. I feel like when this happened, like there was like a moment where suddenly people couldn't talk to each other anymore, and they're like, I can't understand what this person's saying and then they had to run around and find someone who could understand what they were saying, and that's how little groups got formed into
0: groups. Well, it kind of also just says that God scattered them abroad, so he just dropped them off in various places.
1: I don't know.
0: Yeah. But nonetheless, uh, it, it's interesting to think about what would have taken place. They just they just end up all over the world. And now following this, um, what, what do we see? What, what, what follows this in uh, Genesis chapter 11?
1: Ah uh, the line of descent from Shem to Abraham.
0: Ah, okay, so another <laughs> genealogy. Ah, man, can you pick no, it up and I'm now? not okay,
1: going to okay, read okay,
0: it. <laughs> okay, she's not going to read it. All right. I'll
1: read it if you dissect it. <laughs> so,
0: from this point forward, um there is a genealogy from Shem to Abraham. Now, from the flood uh, to Abraham, from when the flood receded to Abraham is around 422 years. Um and from the Tower of Babel to Abraham is somewhere within that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abraham would have been born in a, in a time where he is only, maybe at the most, a couple hundred years removed from the flood. They would have heard of the flood. Um, they would have heard of the Tower of Babel. Oh, sorry. He would have been four hundred exactly 422 years um, removed from the flood. But then, um, oh, well, when he leaves Ur, um, he is 422 years removed from the flood. But also, um, he would have been only a couple hundred years out from the Tower of Babel. He would have heard of this. He would have understood this. And then we get introduced to him in his in his dwelling So let's pick it up in chapter 12 And do you want to read, read verse 1 to 3 for us
1: The Lord said to Abram Leave your native country, your relatives And your father's family And go to the land that I will show you I will make you into a great nation I will bless you and make you famous And you will be a blessing to others I will bless those who bless you And curse those who treat you with contempt All the families on earth will be blessed through you
0: Okay So the Lord shows up to Abram and says, Hey, Abram, this is what you are supposed to do. Now, there are so many questions uh, that we have about this passage uh, and, and just so many things to think about, like had God spoken to Abram before was Abram a a worshipper of God we know that the the existence of God worshiping or and when we say God I mean specifically the God of the Bible there was lots of false worshiping that was happening as well um that already was taking place um we see that you know later in Abraham's lifetime he came across a high priest named Melchizedek from the city of Salem and we have no idea who this guy is because he's not mentioned at all but now we take this hyper focus on this Random dude, four hundred and twenty years out from the flood, named Abram. Mm. and he becomes the focus, pretty much. Him and his family become the focus of the rest of the book of generation uh, of uh, Genesis.
1: I know that in the Bible it seems like he pops up randomly, but I doubt that he was random pop up for God. Like mm. I'm sure him and God had a relationship mm-hmm. way before mm-hmm. he gave him this commission
0: or or at the very least, God identifies the person in which he, because because now he gives him a list of promises here, in which can be used to bring salvation to the world. Mm. Up until this point, right, we, we already covered the Adam and Eve story, and we covered when they give birth to Cain. And Cain, you know, is like a, Cain is a valiant name, you know, that re- represents, you know, a person that has come from the Lord. That is what uh, Eve literally says, we've been given a baby from God, and then Abel is born, and Abel is called Vapor. Um, which is so rough. Like the word able, it just means like vapor, like, like, wow, like, Like nothing, basically. Um, And and the whole point is that they they believed, Adam and Eve believed, uh, that Cain would be the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Then he very quickly proves that he's not the Messiah, (laughs) which would have been incredibly disappointing to them. Mm -hmm. And and about 2,000 years of history has passed at this point, and there has been no one that's come along that has been Messiah or has in any way lived up to any promise that God has given. It's just kind of been going generation to generation. Now, God used people during this time. We just covered the, the, the flood and Noah and what he was doing. Um, But now we just get dropped into this situation where after around two and a half thousand years of human history, this guy named Abram gets spoken to by God and God promises him everything. This is going to be, uh, well, specifically Abram, his family, um, is going to be the focus of the rest of the book of Genesis, and it's going to be the focus of our Bible study uh, every single morning. All so right. it's going to be amazing right now. this is the- You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now it is time for, well, we're going to have a question of the day, but before the question of the day, it is the answer for the quiz.
1: Ooh. Yeah, that's right. We're up to that point. Ah, <laughs> uh, final pentathlon quiz answers. The shortest verse in the Bible said, Jesus wept. Peter called out, Lord, save me to Jesus because he was sinking in water. John the Baptist's famous line, uh, Behold, the Lamb of God is finished with prepare ye the way of the Lord. The group with, that was the ruling council, the Jews who were plotting to kill Jesus, was the Sanhedrin. And in the Song of Songs, a bride's dowry was 1,000 silver pieces. I wonder what the, what the equivalent is in a, today's currency.
0: A lot. Yeah, you reckon? Yeah, maybe, probably expensive.
1: Maybe, probably expensive. More than you can afford.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad that I am not out here paying dowries. Right now (laughs) it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, what is our question of the day?
1: Our question comes this morning from our listener, Freco. It says this, How does one forgive themselves? I have spoken to many Christians who, as myself, can forgive others no matter how cruel they are, because we know Jesus has forgiven us, but we struggle with forgiving ourselves.
0: Mm, how is it that we can forgive ourselves? That's a very good question. I feel like not forgiving ourselves um, can definitely be a barrier for us to just live. Uh, and a lot of people, because of the weight of guilt um, and shame, um live very restricted lives um, and very much struggle. Now, it says in the question here that, you know, we have the ability to forgive others, but then we don't forgive ourselves. And I, I truly, I believe it takes two steps. It takes two steps to to forgive ourselves. Um, firstly, the first step is to understand and to know, um, as it says in the question here, that Jesus forgives us. Jesus forgives us um, for our sin. Jesus um, he forgives us. He, you know, cleanses us from all unrighteousness, as the Bible says in First John chapter one and verse nine. Um, but Jesus forgives us as a response to repentance, um, as a response to well, specifically confession. Here, the Bible says in the verse I just quoted, it says, "If we confess our sins." He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we know Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. Um, He has done everything so that we can be saved. And we sit here in the position where all we need to do is to come to him and confess. Um, And then following confession, when we confess, it says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness, we practice repentance. Now, what does the word repentance mean? Um, I, you know, I know a pastor, he's my friend, Blake, um, and he says it like this, a regular speaker on the show, he says, uh, repentance is like walking one direction, and then stopping and turning around and walking the other direction. And if you apply that to, you know, our actions in our lives, you're doing one thing, you stop, you turn around, and you do another thing. Um, In fact, the Bible says in Acts 3.19, it says, repent therefore and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. Now, if you're struggling with guilt and shame and forgiving yourselves, um, I I believe it can come from either one of of these two um, things not being a part of your life. Firstly, um, you can try to make up for what you've done wrong, but without confession to God, you can't truly be assured that, oh man, like, God forgives me. Um, But if you go to God and you pray to Him and you say, God, forgive me for this sin, well, then we know that when we confess, He hears us. But secondarily, as I said, does that then after our confession mean that we no longer need to repent? We no longer need to turn from our sins? And the answer is also no. God is asking us to confess and repent, and as a result, we can be cleansed from all unrighteousness. So the question is, how can we forgive ourselves? Well, no, um, that not only we have confessed to God, um, but also making an effort to repent, making an effort to make wrong the things that are right. You know, if I steal a million dollars from someone and then I feel bad about it. You know, and, uh, I feel terrible and I'm like, no, this was the wrong thing to do. And I go to God and confess and repent. Um, is the appropriate action following that confession keeping the million dollars? And the answer is obviously no. A part of repentance is making things right. And so, you know, I have the capacity in that story to go and to give that person their million dollars back and receive any type of consequence for from my, from my action. Um, and when I've received my consequences, when I confess and I know that I'm walking the other direction, I know that I'm not walking in the same way, I know that I'm forgiven. And therefore, I can forgive myself when things are made right. Right. We have come to close out our Friday morning, and you know what, Monica? What's that? Thank you for coming in this week.
1: You're most welcome. I think I'm here all next week, aren't I? Yeah,
0: you're yeah. gonna be here as well. So the the yeah. Lawson and Mon show is <laughs> continuing. The the train keeps on rolling. But guys, have a fantastic weekend. I, I pray that you guys, yeah. Spend some awesome time in your local church communities, um, not only being blessed, but also being a blessing, getting to know Jesus better, um, spending time with (laughs) friends and family, and ultimately growing closer to God. Amen. Let's be ready for Him to come back. Uh, But right now, guys, remember to, as you go through the rest of the day, talk faith, live faith, and act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be.
1: you till we meet again by
0: his counsels God uphold you with his sheep securely fold you God be